to the Mind Life Me podcast, the place where we can talk about how we can be happier, healthier humans and deal with the day-to-day messiness of life. I'm your host, Dr. Emily Amos. So I'm a little bit late on this episode compared to my previous ones, as you've perhaps noticed, and it's probably quite timely because this episode, what I'm going to be talking about is the concept of holding space. And in the last sort of couple of weeks, even, it's something that I've been having to do for myself, which can be quite difficult. In fact, I think that holding space for our emotions and our thoughts is probably one of the hardest tasks that we have to do as humans. And it largely goes unnoticed most of the time. So What do I mean when I talk about holding space? Well, I want you just to envisage now, if you're perhaps a parent, you can think about your child or if you're not a parent, perhaps you think about someone that you really care about. And I want you just to imagine that they're running along the path in front of you and they trip over and skin their knee. And what usually happens? Well, you know, we're good people, so (laughs) we, we run over, we hold them, we tell them it'll be okay, tell them not to worry, that it'll get better, and we, we try and make them feel better. This is the natural reaction, and it's not at all a bad reaction. In fact, it's a very, very kind reaction. But <laughs> what it doesn't do is it actually doesn't recognise the what's behind that reaction. You know, often we do that just instinctively and we don't really think about what's going on in our mind or in our own bodies behind that reaction. So let's pull it apart and slow it right down. So someone we care about is in pain, is experiencing distress, you know, fallen over and skinned their knee or they're experiencing emotional distress. Well, what that usually does is that actually triggers something in us that we feel, you know, we can empathize and feel a level of their distress as well. So we're holding on to some distress that we are feeling from their distress and we naturally want to make them feel better because we're good people. But we also, in some ways, if we think about it, want to make them feel better because the natural reaction that we have is that we don't like feeling uncomfortable either. (laughs) So in comforting people we care about, in a lot of ways we're also comforting ourselves at the same time. But that's the bit that often goes unnoticed. And so when we're talking about the concept of holding space, what we're actually doing is we're creating a space within us that we are able to recognise that we're feeling distress, you know, we're feeling a discomfort at someone else's emotional discomfort. If we're holding space for someone else, or perhaps those feelings are arising within us and we need to create space for them within ourselves. So holding space is really about recognising that all emotional responses, whether they're ours internally or they come from our dealings with people around us, need space to unfold and to play out and that terminating them doesn't actually get rid of them any quicker. We have to recognize that feeling uncomfortable feelings, whether they originated from within us or they're originating from people we care about or the world around us, 
it doesn't feel nice. <laughs> and so what we naturally tend to do when we notice we have them is we try to stop having them. You know, we reach for our phone and we scroll. We tell our child, it'll be okay, stop crying, it'll be okay. We eat food, we drink alcohol, we do all sorts of things that perhaps we spoke about in our episode on stimulation addiction. We do these things to distract ourselves from this uncomfortable feeling that we don't like having. And so holding space really just describes the process of recognising that and creating some space within us to hold that feeling. So does this mean that we don't tend to our friends or family or children when they're, fit, when they're hurting or they've hurt themselves? Of course not. We still outwardly often do exactly the same things. We soothe them, we cuddle them, we tell them it'll be okay. But what we do at the same time is we recognise that that flow-on feeling within us also feels uncomfortable. So we soothe ourselves. We remind ourselves that this feeling will pass, that even though it's uncomfortable right now, it will pass. And so I've done a few posts on social media in the last few days about holding space. And one of them was a particularly visual post because I know that some of us are very visual learners. And in it, I was holding two yoga or muscle tune-up balls. One was very smooth. It was quite light. It was really easy to have in my hand. And the other was a spiky ball. And these spiky balls, if you've ever used them, you'll know that they're particularly unpleasant. We use them to dig into those sore and aching muscles to get into the spots that we really want to untwist those knots and, and release the tension. So they're not a lot of fun <laughs> to use. And in fact, when we're using them on our muscles, what we're often doing is we're sort of rolling them underneath our body as we're sort of moving, our, moving around. And I often find myself holding my breath while I'm digging into those uncomfortable spots and I'm sort of thinking in my head, oh, just a little bit longer, it'll let go, it'll let go. But by and large, I'm trying to grin and bear it. So that is what I would equate a really uncomfortable feeling with that spiky ball and a comfortable feeling one we can lean into easily like happiness joy pleasure that's more like the smooth ball whereas that spiky ball is the ones that we probably try to distract ourselves from pain overwhelm stress sadness grief all these feelings that perhaps we don't really enjoy having there. They're more like that spiky ball. And when I'm talking about holding space, what I'm talking about is this awareness that these feelings sort of roll around inside us almost. They're always there. They come and go. They're just sort of moving around. And some of them we don't really notice. And we're certainly not trying to terminate them or get rid of them. Those happy ones, joy, pleasure, gratitude. But those spiky ball ones... Sadness, grief, stress, anger, resentment, jealousy, all of those ones, when they're rolling around inside us, they feel so uncomfortable. In fact, what I've noticed in the last sort of couple of days and then couple of weeks, it feels like a catching in my chest and that feeling of, you know, sometimes you just want to cry, but sometimes you don't know what to do with yourself. It, it just catches you right in your chest. Your heart feels heavy. Your breathing just doesn't seem to be full. 
And this is this is a visceral reaction, you know, this is in our body, but it's a reaction to the feelings that are there in our body. And what I used to do before I sort of had tried to build up my own awareness of mindfulness and my own practice of mindfulness was I'd try and distract myself from these feelings because, God, they feel awful. <laughs> they really feel uncomfortable in my body. You know, it's, it's actually the physical sensation of these feelings in my body I don't like. And I'm guessing that I'm not the only person in the world <laughs> who feels that way. So I distract myself from them. I jump on social social media. I'd scroll and things. I'd you know go out drinking when I was younger. I'd do all sorts of things. And as I've sort of tried to stop doing those things as much, it's meant that when these feelings arise and and those old coping mechanisms that I used to turn to so readily, I don't have them. So I don't sort of distract myself from these feelings, and I. I can feel them rattling around inside me a little bit more than I used to, which has been a bit of a double-edged sword. (laughs) But through my mindfulness practice, I really have been able to remind myself that these feelings are really just like those balls. They, They roll around and they sort of bump into each other and sometimes they're a bit amplified as they sort of hit you right in the heart space and then other times they're sort of dampening down and they're maybe rolling around near your feet. But what eventually happens is if you're able just to hold that, you know, like you are a container of space, allowing these balls to roll around, eventually they do sort of settle and maybe you get a good night's sleep again and you find that you wake up and your heart just doesn't feel as heavy or your breath just isn't catching quite as much as it was the previous few days. And you can't rush this process. (laughs) You know, we we know this when we talk about grief. We talk about the stages of grief and how that moves through your body in sort of a relatively well understood and not predictable but, you know, expected kind of path. We talk about that all the time. Grief's a very strong emotion and often quite uncomfortable. But what about the less strong emotions? You know, the day-to-day ones, disappointment, fear, stress, overwhelm. Sadness is a, is a day-to-day one too. You know, the, their, their path through our body still can feel uncomfortable even though it's on a much smaller scale than immense grief. And so holding space is really this concept of learning how to be kind to yourself and recognise that creating a space for uncomfortable emotions to play out is actually a tough gig. And in those moments where you notice you're feeling uncomfortable emotions, and perhaps you don't actually notice you're feeling uncomfortable emotions, perhaps you just notice that all of a sudden you're engaging in those distraction techniques that you tend to to jump to when you are feeling uncomfortable. And at those times where you notice that, it's really important that we learn how to step back, notice those feelings rolling around, Notice that sometimes they hurt more than others and be kind to ourselves. And perhaps if there's people around us who in the past, something I was very guilty of was not understanding this process. And so when I was hurting, I would hurt others around me because that's, you know, that's the amplified effect of not holding that space for the emotions myself. I just threw the spiky ball at someone else. So now I'm sort of, I try to be, 
a bit more upfront and honest with particularly my husband who has learnt how to sort of understand me because I've also learnt how to explain these things to him when I'm struggling. You know, I at the moment I'm feeling overwhelmed. It doesn't feel nice. And I don't actually have to explain it more than that. You know, he's a person too. He gets uncomfortable feelings too. So being able to say I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling and it doesn't feel nice, it's hard to hold right now, is actually enough because as fellow humans, (laughs) I think most of us understand that process. I'm feeling an uncomfortable feeling and it's really hard to hold. And so we give ourselves some space. You know, sometimes this might mean that we take one of those mental health days and we do something that doesn't try to stop that feeling. You know, this isn't about sort of terminating the distress or distracting ourselves from it, but it's about nurturing that container, you know, our bodies, nurturing ourselves as we then create the space to hold that emotion. So that is what holding space is, which is is a really abstract thought. And yet at the same time, it's so bloody straightforward. I don't know why I didn't master this before. And I certainly, I shouldn't say master this because I haven't mastered it now. I'm a work in progress, just as you all are, just as all of us are. And sometimes holding space is beyond what I'm capable of and I still have my explosions and I just throw the spiky ball at someone else and it hits them and hurts them and, you know, then they have to hold that feeling, which is is less than ideal. But holding space for uncomfortable feelings is just, it gives us the ability to not hurt other people with our uncomfortable feelings quite so much. And imagine what would happen (laughs) if the whole world could do that. I mean, imagine if... If we were all able to hold our own distress and uncomfortable feelings, be kind to ourselves, recognise that even though it may have originated from someone else, you know, someone we care about is distressed or hurting and so that causes us hurt, even though, you know, there's there's the flow-on effect, emotional contagion, emotions do spread, but imagine if we didn't amplify it. Imagine if we didn't send our distress onwards, if that makes sense. I think that that would be something that would make the world a better place. But I'm not under any illusions of thinking that that would be easy because I know how hard it is for myself when I am trying to hold on to an uncomfortable feeling. So how do we do it? How do we, how do we make this easier for ourselves and how do we teach this skill to people we care about, particularly our kids? Because this is something that I, in particular, didn't really learn as a child. I'm not sure about you. And I feel like teaching it to my kids now just gives them a little bit of a heads up on emotional intelligence and and as they sort of grow up and become adults. So there's a particularly good book that I love and that my children love um, called The Colour Monster. I will find the link and put it in the show notes. But it talks about emotions in the sense of colors. So feeling happy and yellow, feeling angry and red and turning into monsters of those colors. And it's been a great way for my kids to sort of embody emotions and learn what it feels like in their body and how they can describe that. And 
this has been something that we have used as a tool to, to try and learn how to navigate emotional responses within our family. Now, I'm not professing to be perfect at this. In fact, just like everyone else, I struggle with this on a daily basis and I constantly have to show myself kindness and compassion and be mindful of my own emotional response. And in fact, yesterday morning, getting out of the door on the way to school, I lost my cool at my, at my kids getting out there. I was ranting and raving and I certainly wasn't creating a calm space. I was just contributing to the, the mess and the, and the noise. And so when we hopped in the car, I put on another one of the tools that I love for teaching this to my kids. And that's a CD called Passing Clouds by Kate Oliver, which again, I'll put in the show notes. And I had that on, you know, drove the five minutes to school, listening to the words, which are very mindful, teaching us to slow down, notice how we're feeling. And when I got there, it was it was important. I, I needed to apologize to my kids. You know, they they had definitely done things to aggravate me that they knew were not on in the mornings. But that wasn't the point, you know, that's I, I can hold my emotional response to those things without creating more distress and throwing more spiky balls, <laughs> basically. And that's not something I did. So I did have to apologize to my kids for not doing that. Now, I think this is where, you know, when we talk about teaching our kids how to hold space, teaching our kids emotional intelligence or showing those around us um, how to hold space. I don't know that we necessarily need to go out of our way to teach it, but we do need to go out of our way to model it. And so, you know, what I said to my kids was I apologized. I said, mommy is feeling quite overwhelmed at the moment and I need to take some time to take care of myself and I shouldn't have yelled like that this morning. And that's enough. You know, that doesn't, I don't need to go into it more at that stage when they're about to go to school. I don't need to over explain myself. But I do think it's important that they know that when I make mistakes, that I'm able to be kind to myself. And then even more than that, begin to see that when I'm struggling with something emotionally, when I'm actually trying to hold space for an emotion that's lingering for a lot longer than I really wish it was, <laughs> that I that I show myself kindness then too. And I hadn't probably been doing enough of that up until that point. I'd been sort of holding on to a few uncomfortable feelings that were rolling around and crashing into each other and just not causing well causing me causing me a great amount of distress. And, you know, what happens when I don't hold space for that distress? Well, I throw it and, and I throw it at other people who I care about. And that's where we end up hurting people we care about and doing things we wish we didn't and having emotional responses that actually hurt other people. And so this comes back to mindfulness beautifully, because as we've spoken about before, what mindfulness gives us that ability to do is open that space between things happening to us and then our action. So we give a bit ourselves a bit of space to make that an action rather than a reaction. And it's interesting as you start to notice this within yourself that obviously it's actually really hard to hold that space, that window of tolerance between things happening to us or emotions coming up and us feeling things and then 
reacting. It's very hard to do that when you are feeling overwhelmed. And if the feeling you're trying to hold on to is stress, overwhelm, whatever it is, then it, that actually just fills that space. That space that you're opening with your mindfulness can be overwhelmed and filled with emotions. So in those moments, it's probably important to put some physical space if you, if you can. You know, if the kids are really stressing me out, I actually might need to step outside for five minutes because I just don't have the figurative space within me because that space is actually being filled up by emotions right now. And then, you know, in a few days time, as I've let those emotions settle like sediment in a glass, they settle to the bottom, you know, those spiky balls aren't rolling around causing me as much distress anymore. Then I again have the space to be more mindful. You know, I'm not snapping at the kids. I'm not getting angry if someone cuts in front of me on the road. I'm not, and my fuse is a little bit longer because that space within me is no longer taken up with all these big emotions that I'm just trying to sort of let them unfold and, and pass. But this takes being mindful. So all of these concepts that I'm talking about, you know, being addicted to stimulation that perhaps we do because we've actually got big emotions we don't like feeling that we're trying to distract ourselves from. Mm, okay. And then being mindful of this, you know, these, these are sort of all dominoes that, that fall in the process of becoming more mindful. And the very first one that needs to fall is you just need to have an awareness of these things. You don't actually need to go out of your way to notice these things and say, right, I need to change everything. I need to be sitting on a cushion for 20 minutes twice a day meditating and eventually I'll do 45 minutes and then I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do yoga every day and I'm just going to be a perfect human. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. None of us are perfect humans. But we're all being the best versions of humans that we, that we possibly can be and understanding some of these concepts around being mindful, holding space for emotions and thoughts that actually make us feel quite uncomfortable, the behaviors that we might engage in to naturally distract ourselves from these uncomfortable feelings. We, we just need to start with awareness. And if any of this is sort of hitting a nerve with you or hitting a bit close, then do like what I did and Reach out for some professional help. Talk to friends and family. You know, the, the very first step for this process doesn't actually have to be done on, on your own. And in fact, I certainly couldn't do it on my own. I've spent a lot of years in very supported self-development and self-inquiry, you know, looking inwards to get to the point where I'm now talking about it quite openly and without as much distress as I was, you know, a few years ago. So you don't have to do this alone and speaking to a GP to get a mental health care plan, if that's relevant, could be possible, but certainly seeing a psychologist, a coach, speaking to friends and family, seeing a counselor, meditation teachers, you know, that you can speak to anyone who has the capacity to help you untangle some of those twisty bits of <laughs> wool and thread that we're all tangled up with. And as you start to unpack some of that, you find that there actually is a bit more space inside you to allow these emotional responses to unfold and to arise and then to just simply roll away. And then when you have the capacity to hold space for your own emotional response, it becomes easier to hold the space for the people's emotional responses, be that our kids, friends, family, you know, co-workers, whatever it is. But again, <laughs> always a work in progress. Some days are easier than others. If like me, you've been having <laughs> a 
a lot of a lot of spiky balls to hold of late then i am sending my love because i know it's not comfortable but those spiky balls do do roll away just as easily as well not as easily but they do roll away just as the smooth ones roll away as well so i'll put links to the color monster and passing clouds in the show notes this week I'll also be running my own online training in mindfulness and self-compassion called Mindful Me, which will start on the 26th of April. So the links are going to be in the show notes and you can sign up for that at any point. It'll be an eight week online group coaching course. So if you're looking for some help to introduce mindfulness and self-compassion into your own life, then I would love for you to join me in that training. And As always, my social media is the best place to like, share, follow. There's a few holding space posts in the last few days that you may find of use. Um, Dr. Emily Amos, Dr. Emily Amos is my Instagram and Facebook handle. Until we speak again, I hope you have a fabulous week and I'm looking forward to catching up with you again next time. Mm